0: You may be seated. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, amen. Well, it's good to uh, be here at Intercessor because this is home, this is my home church. And uh, not that I've been traveling, Um, I've been telling people I've, I've started a new monastic order um, and I'm in my room, and I have a bed and a prayer desk and a computer, and the, the habit is uh, pajama bottoms and a T-shirt and bare feet. And uh, I've been there since uh, March 17th, except for a time when I went to a birthday parade, which is a really exciting, nice thing to do. I, I like that. Um, you, get to be, you get to say hello to everybody and love them, and you don't have to stay. You just keep going. <laughs> Um, it seems like yesterday, though, as a church, we were struggling with, how are we going to do Easter? And here we are now going, how are we going to do Pentecost? And, um, and now, how are we going to do the church for whenever this happens? I, you know, there's a lot of talk. I have a teaching that I did called I Don't Know. And uh, I've been spending time listening to everybody, you know, the talking heads and I've decided they don't know either. Uh, we're just all kind of winging this, going through it, and surrendering to God and, uh, and doing the best we can. But what we do know, they're discussing when we're going to reopen, and guess what? They don't agree. And there's controversy. And it's even gotten down to political lines. If uh, You tend to be on the left, you don't want to open until the thing's gone. If you're on the right, you want it to open yesterday. You know, And there's big debate. And so I sit in my room and I pray and wait and see what's going to happen. And God's in control. And uh, what you do need to know, though, is I know here at Intercessor, we'll open safely and we'll do so obeying guidelines. We render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. And we will have a concern of love for each other and the most vulnerable among us. But we'll be back sooner than you think. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, I've been spending time um, in, in my monastery room uh, reading John, Gospel, chapter 13 through 17, which is, is a, ended up being the readings for the Eucharist every day, but it's, and it's one of my favorite parts of scripture in terms of study. And I encourage you to read it. Read it in one sitting. It's the last words of Jesus on earth. It's, it's his last de- cor- discourse with those he loves. This really isn't a sermon to the world. This is a sermon to those whom, whom Jesus loves. And it's been great to do it, because in the midst of the boredom, <laughs> the anxiety sometimes, the discouragement, the depression, uh, sometimes full ahead, indulgence in food, Overcomers is going to be packed when we reopen. <laughs> and. Um, it's the reflection, because Jesus, as we go to it, the one question we ask whenever you read scripture, whenever you're reading, I don't care if it's the Old Testament, start with, what does this say about Jesus? Who is Jesus? And what does Jesus want me to do? Those are the two essential questions. Those are the questions of Paul on the road to Damascus. When he gets knocked off his horse, he says, who are you? <laughs> And he, he tells him who he is, and he says, what do you want me to do? Two most important questions in the world for each of us. And uh, so at, but at the end of this discourse, after he talks about servanthood, you know, foot washing, he talks about uh, the great commandment, that we're to love one another as he loves us, and then, and then institutes the priesthood, and in fact, the Eucharist, the last chapter is he begins, or the last time he begins to telling him, the, the disciples, I'm going to leave you, and it's better that I leave you. How can that be? <laughs> you know? How can that be better to not have Jesus in the physical presence with us? I mean, I'm longing for that, you know, to get to heaven, because I know I'm going to be in the physical presence of Jesus. But how can it be better? He says it's better. And he says when he's going to the Father, the reason it's better is going to the Father, and he's going to send this counselor, this helper, this advocate, the spirit of truth. And he's going to recall all the things that Jesus did, and he's going to do it in a way that you're going to do greater things than he did. That's mind-boggling. And of course, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, is a person, not a force. A force is Star Wars. You know, that's not the Holy Spirit. He's not a power. He's a person. He's He, the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity, and by the way, He's God. And the Holy Spirit's been around. He didn't show up on the Day of Pentecost. <laughs> He was there at creation. In fact, he's the active force. He was hovering over creation when it goes. And he was there with Moses. And he was there with Malachi. All the way through the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit is moving. And he was anointing people like David. And, um, and the Holy Spirit was present in the faith community of the Old Testament. Holy Spirit is, is active in the prophetic word that leads up to Jesus He was there at the conception of Jesus. He was born of the Holy Spirit. He was there in the Annunciation. He was there when Jesus went and was baptized. It was the Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus. So the Pentecost isn't about all of a sudden the third person of the Trinity shows up. And yet he's going to show up. He's going to show up in a way different. And Jesus has gone to the Father, and it's going to send him for a specific purpose. And whenever the Holy Spirit shows up, there's creation. There's new creation. There's something that happens. The Holy Spirit is a creator. That's why I think in charismatic churches, by the way, that honor the Holy Spirit, Music is so prevalent. People are so creative. It's not because you're creative. Get that out of your head, or you'll be worshiping an ego. It's because he's creative. He's the creator God. He's the Lord and giver of life. If we have life in our liturgy, it's because the Holy Spirit gives it life, because the life is in us. There's no life without the Holy Spirit. There might be the form of life, and it might look like life, you know, but it's kind of like a chicken without a head. You know, if you take a chicken, you cut its head off, it runs around for a lot of time, but it ain't live. And unfortunately, there's a lot of places and people like that. They're running around, but there's no life. You see, we know that, you know, we should know that going through this uh, thing, this evil that we're doing, by the way, that isn't from God, it's from the enemy. What is it attacking? It's attacking our breath. I just think, I just think it's so fascinating. I, I, I would want to go on, and I apologize to people about what's happened in uh, Minneapolis. You know, the, the, this evil before our eyes. No other way to describe it. And what's the cry of that man as he's suffering? I can't breathe. I wept. I'm taking the life out of a person. The very life that when you hold a baby, if you ever have a baby and you hold him in your arms, you're waiting there, This scene and the operating room and the lights and the whole thing and Oh, the pain, you can't get close, too close to your wife because she'll rip your arm off, you know? <laughs> the pain's so great, and yet there's that moment that baby comes out, and we hear that cry. Huh? And all of a sudden, the pain is gone. Because life is present. When well, we gather around, the saddest part about this disease is we gathered around elderly people, 80, 85, alone in a hospital on a ventilator, not being able to be around their loved ones to breathe their life's last breath. The enemy wants to steal our breath, he wants to steal the breath out of the life of the church. And Jesus said there's this power that's gonna come, this person is gonna give you power. And they gather because they know they need that. They've seen miracles. They've seen Jesus raise people from dead. They've seen the crucifixion. They've seen everything there is to see. They've been with the living God for three years. And yet, Jesus says to them, wait. And what do they do? They wait. Because something greater. Are we ready to wait? Wait until the promise of the Father comes upon you. Then you will. I believe the world is going to get back to normal. All this stuff, it'll get back to normal. I have kids in Florida. Nobody's wearing a mask. (laughs) And you know what happens, because everybody's so confused. One minute you wear a mask, next minute you don't wear a mask. One minute you can go out, next minute you can't go out. One minute, two million people are going to die, next minute, 80,000 are going to die. And so nobody knows. Now, I'm following the rules. But we don't know. And so people are confused. You know, they said, well, wait till we keep this thing down. That's all we're going to do is flatten the curve, whatever. Nobody even knew that phrase. And then we said, OK, we'll do it. Well, now it's flat. Now you can't go out because it might get spike again. And then maybe it'll get flat. Maybe we're going to live with this forever. But I believe the the world's going to get back to normal. And people are going to go out, and this disease will come like the Spanish flu. It'll become history. I believe that. But I believe if we're in the purposes of will of God, I pray we don't get back to normal. We're meant to have a meaning and purpose in God's will and plan for us. First, we're made to love and be loved, and that means touching one another. We're made to be loved by God and to love one another. We're made from relationships. We can't live without relationships. And we have to stop pretending that we can. I'd rather go to heaven than live without relationships and not being able to hug somebody again. And I, I think. Now, a lot of people, we've been taken, things have been taken away from us, everything. And we're sort of left in this position, which I think has been good, I think it's holy. God has taken what is evil and turned it into good for me. He's taken everything away and I've reassessed in my walk with the Lord what's important about him. (laughs) I talked today on a live stream: he (laughs) asked Peter, do you love me more than everything? all of these, that was a scary question for me this morning. I want to, but do I? Now I went, Lord, I need the Holy Spirit. I need a revival in my life. I need God to renew so that I can answer that, at least by saying, you know, not so much, but I really want to. <laughs> no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Several years ago, God spoke to me three words. And I know they're God's word because I keep speaking them all around the world. First is, expect miracles. That we're to live in the expectancy of God moving. Every day. The second was, be ready for hard times. Learn evangelism from the martyrs. (laughs) It's a joke that people think the church is being persecuted. I've preached to more people today. i preached to 500 people at 1 o'clock in the afternoon around the world. Churches that had, had 50 people regularly now have 400 listening to them online. That's incredible. Keep us shut, if that's the story. <laughs> you know? I believe we're going to open up again, because I want the Eucharist. This is going to be the first time that I've had the bread and wine since March 17th. I'm excited. So here's another one. You might not like this one. It's going to get worse. Already they're talking about starvation around the world in incredible numbers because of COVID. Already they're talking in Brazil, lack of medical care with elderly people dying on the streets and being left there to rot because there's no ambulances. I've always said, wait till this thing hits the Kadiri slums, with a million people in one square mile with no water, no sewage. Wait till it hits and the devastation that's going to happen. Wait till the economy hits. Wait till the implications of of the things that we've done happen. It it could get worse. And why shouldn't it in a country that allows infanticide? We talk about violence. And again, it's horrible what happened, but we murder 3,000 babies every single day. In the midst of this pandemic. We declared abortion clinics essential and church non-essential, but if it upsets you about that, you can go get a drink because the liquor stores are open. You see, why are we surprised when people talk about, let's just all go outside and let the elderly die, and then all young people get strong? That's called the survival of the fittest. That's not Christianity. It's the young people who should be laying their lives down for the elderly. That's Christianity. That's the gospel. Could it get worse? Are we surprised that our medical facilities are overwhelmed? Our medical care is out of control? I'm not. Are we worried about getting back to work and going to the beach while the poor of the poor are still suffering, greater in this pandemic than ever? But in this time of seclusion, here's the good news, because I went to the press, it's Pentecost. We're supposed to be happy, right? I've been hearing, Church, that we've been set aside. We're consecrated to be holy as God is holy. We've been set aside and stripped of everything in order to prepare for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Church like the world has never seen before. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, as we seek Him in prayer, as we seek Him in the scriptures, as we seek Him in the Eucharist, yearning to come to the Eucharist rather than just a Sunday morning duty, As we seek him among the least and wash his feet, there's going to be transformation in the hearts of people, because God will work new creation. There'll be conviction, and there'll be a release of the spiritual grips. and the one who brings victory over death is not running around the halls of Congress or the president, have you figured that out. There will be an escalation outpouring of the Spirit and the preaching of the Word of God and demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. Instead of the people keeping people away from church, they'll be bringing their sick to the church to be healed in the name of Jesus. There'll be deliverance from evil spirits. There'll be words of knowledge and wisdom, and the church will take leadership because God works through the church, not through the Congress, not through the White House, not through the Supreme Court. And the church has been silent. But I believe when the Spirit comes, it will be a roaring thunder of the good news. See, it's the Holy Spirit that brings life. And it's the Holy Spirit that leads us into the throne of God, where we join with the angels, the archangels, and the victorious Church of Heaven. And guess what? They face pandemics. They face martyrdom. They they face more trials than we can ask or imagine, and yet they're before the throne of God. And it says, those that had it the worst are in the front row, singing unto God. Their prayers are like incense. See, See, it's interesting that one of the governors states, we can go back to church, but we can't have the sacrament, and we can't sing. Who's making that rule? You understand? (laughs) that oh, what's going on? But the love of God must be poured in our hearts, not for entertainment purposes. It's the empowerment to live a crucified, selfless, sacrificial love in a world that needs that more than it needs a cure for COVID. Are we ready? That's my question to return. It's a question to me, too. Am I ready for that? Am I ready to have everything just turned upside down? To live a stripped life? Am I willing to look at my plan and determine, is this God's plan for the next 10 years of my life? Are we ready to break through and wait and allow the Spirit to break through in us? breakthrough so a new life can be created. Question is, on this Pentecost, is do we really want to live under that anointing, or do we want to get back to normal? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, and renew your church. Lord, we look for revival, we cry out for you. We cry out because we've acknowledged in this time that we're really empty and we need to be filled. We really can only come to you. We've, we've tried to resolve our own struggles, get out of our own trials, make believe our temptations don't exist and we've discovered they're real. And now we ask you, Lord Holy Spirit, to come and convict us, but also lead us to Jesus and receive a kiss on our cheek and hear the words of forgiveness and have the love of God poured into our hearts. I want to take this moment as as we've prayed is, if you've never received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you know, said Jesus, the one would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power to be immersed in his love. The Spirit of God pours love into hearts. Spirit of God is the love that holds the Trinity together. He said, you can receive that baptism with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit will be released in you and the gifts of God will be released in you for this coming revival. And so if you haven't, let me pray and you pray after me. Wherever you are and if you want hands laid on you and you're with somebody who's been baptized with the Spirit, let them lay their hand on you. Take a risk. If you're not, and and both you, husband and wife, or family, lay hands on one another, and then pray after me. Lord Jesus, I renounce Satan and all my sinful ways that keep me separated from you. I thank you for dying on the cross in order to save me from those sins And with your resurrection, you bring me to new life in you. I wish to surrender myself to you and follow you as the Lord of my heart. I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit and in power. That I may follow you more closely, love you more deeply all the days of my life. Let the gifts of the Holy Spirit come alive in me, Lord Jesus. And I pray this in your precious name. Amen and amen. God bless you.